Hey guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and welcome to the Specified Growth Podcast. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and codings industry. Today's guest is Eric Anderton. He's an experienced construction consultant, been doing it for 25 years, and he's the host of the Construction Genius Podcast. Eric, thanks for coming on the show. Pat, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate you inviting me on. I very much enjoy the work that you do. Yeah, thank you so much, Eric. So how did this all begin? You were, were you always part of the construction industry? You know, it's funny that you asked that. I got involved in a management and leadership development course, selling a, a management and leadership development course. I was one of the, the top salespeople in the history of that company. And as I got involved in that, my first client in 2004 was a construction company and uh, LB Construction out of uh, Roseville, California. They're a framing contractor and they're still my client today in 2020. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. And, it, and I just fell in love with construction at that point. Now, I'm, I'm not a technical construction guy by any means and put me on a job site and put a hammer in my hand and I'm pretty useless. <laughs> but I love, I love the, both the creativity of construction, the process of construction and the tremendous positive impact that construction companies have both on the folks who work for them and upon the communities that they work in. Because guys can drive down the road and gals can drive down the road. They can point to something and they can say, I built that. And I, I just love that. Nice. So you mentioned the creativity. Yeah. So what aspect of the uh, creativity do you like? Well, the, the thing I love about construction is that it is not only a product, but it's a service. Mm. And so, so you, you have to be creative from the very beginning when you're looking to win work. You have to be creative in communicating both the, the product that you're going to provide and the service that you're going to offer as you're providing that product. Then, then once you've won the work and you're building it, you have to get creative in how you're going to plan the work so that you can build it under budget and on time and make money and do it safely with high quality. And then you have to get creative in terms of how you work with your project partners, subcontractors, the owners. There's mm. creativity all the way along the line. You have to get creative in terms of how you're going to get paid for your change orders. It's a nonstop opportunity for innovation, for excellence, and for really achieving high performance in many different areas. Ah, I like that topic, high performance. But I, what, what sort of piqued my interest a bit there is you're talking about sort of creativity and sort of working through the sort of the building or the, the product and the service. Because obviously there's nothing there. So the construction company is trying to explain to the owner or the investor on what, what they're going to do to create that. What are the key pieces that need to be communicated well there? I think first you have to be able to generate confidence in the person that you understand why it is that they're engaging your construction services. Mm. So you have to be able to understand right from the get-go, what is the pleasure that this person wants to achieve and what is the pain that they want to avoid. So if you're working with someone, for instance, who has built construction projects in the past, perhaps a developer, they, and they're coming to you and they haven't worked with you before, it's very likely mm -hmm. that they might have had a bad experience previously with another construction company and you want to be able to understand what that experience was so that mm. you can help them to understand how you can help them avoid that pain. 
But then you also want to be able to work with folks right from the beginning to understand the pleasure that they're looking to get. So for instance, if you're working with a company that's doing a TI and they want to they want to do a renovation of the building that they're currently in. Perhaps they're doing that so that they can increase the attractiveness of their company when they're trying to bring talent in by having a more attractive workspace. And so it's very important that you understand that from the get-go so that you can then create the project around the pain that they seek to avoid or the pleasure that they seek to get. And if you can have that understanding, it will help you as you're putting together your plans and executing the project moving forward. Mm. That makes a lot of sense, understanding the scope. Now, once you understand what they need and you built that trust, how does a construction company achieve high performance in meeting those sort of promises they've set out? Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to be able to put together a team that's going to be successfully able to execute the project. And so I think one of the mistakes that a lot of contractors make is they just throw guys onto a project and hope for the best. And it's very important from um, an early stage to be introducing the project manager, to be introducing the superintendent, to be introducing folks who are in the field, particularly with their fellow folks in the field that they're going to be working with, and building those relationships. Because construction, at the end of the day, in terms of, you know, if you've got the technical stuff taken care of, construction is a relationship and a communication game. So you have to build those strong relationships both internally with your your company, but then also externally with your project partners and the owners, so that through those relationships, you can really focus on executing the project successfully. Mm, That makes a lot of sense. Now, in order to sort of select the right members for the team, do you have some sort of screening process or sort of aptitude tests? Or how do you approach that whole uh, getting the right people going? I think every company has a different approach to that. With my experience working with contractors, with the base level of technical aptitude nailed down, you then want to have a sort of a personality fit. So, you know, I I work with some contractors who have both private and public clients, for instance. Mm -hmm. And so the private clients, they're much more hard charging, hard driving, very much focused on the bottom line. They're perhaps more demanding and more insisting. And so you have to be able to put a project manager onto that project who can handle that. Whereas with with the public clients, maybe move at a slower pace. They do a lot more CYA, so to speak. They're a lot more concerned about dotting I's and crossing T's. And so you might want to put a project manager on that project that's more methodical, more slower paced, and be able to match the culture of the client that you're working with. Mm, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I noticed that we talked uh, earlier about those books over there, you, you're big on sort of looking at, you know, high performance from a mental, mental toughness or mindset point of view. Can you explain that a bit? Yeah, I, I think it's really important, particularly in, in times of, of stress and in times of, of great challenge, that the leaders of construction companies, the senior executives are performing at a high level on a consistent basis. And so when I'm working with my clients, I really want them to be able to focus in on what they need to do to perform at a high level on a daily basis. And so I encourage them to, just like an athlete would prepare before they get onto the field, a construction executive or a construction company owner has to prepare every day so that they can get out onto the the field of play, so to speak, and perform at a high level. And In order to do that, I have a personal practice of preparing for my day that I I teach my clients and I encourage my clients to adopt, 
and to modify so that it works for them. And so I could share that with you if you'd like, because I think it's very important. Absolutely. I'd love to know. What I like to do is I like to set aside at least 60 minutes before my day starts to really ground myself and focus in on what I need to do to achieve high performance on a daily basis. And for construction company executives, this is going to be challenging because your day starts very early. So if you're going to be hitting the ground running at 6 a.m., that means you've got to get up real early in order to ground yourself and get ready. But it's critical because every day you can make money or lose money. Every day you're, you're dealing with risk. You're dealing perhaps with, with people's lives in terms of safety issues. So it's so important that you show up every day at the highest level possible. So what I encourage you to do is to always start your day with gratitude. To think of three things or people that you're thankful for on a daily basis and try and change those things up every day. The second thing you want to do is you want to think about the pain that you're going to go through that day. (laughs) What is the most painful thing that you're going to have to face? Perhaps it's a painful decision or a painful conversation. Perhaps you have to block out two hours of time to work on a, a proposal and that's going to be painful for you. But think clearly about the pain that you have to embrace and commit to going after that pain. The third thing you want to do is ask yourself, who needs love today? (laughs) Who can I show love? Which one of my team members needs of me to communicate to them that they are loved and that they are honored? And the way that you do that with your team members is by doing three things. Number one, encouraging them. Say to them, you can do it. The second thing is to hold them accountable and say to them, did you do it? And then the third thing is to recognize them and say to them, you did it. So if you think about encouragement, accountability, recognition, those are three ways that you can practically show love to the people that you lead on a daily basis. And if you want to remember that framework, all you have to do is grab your ear. E stands for encouragement, A for accountability, R for recognition. Mm -hmm. That's how you show love on a daily basis. The fourth thing you want to do then is you want to ask yourself, what is my unique contribution? What is the unique contribution that I make as a leader in my construction company? And how can I make that contribution today? How can I eliminate the distractions and the interruptions and focus in on making my unique contribution? And then the fifth thing is this idea of sobriety. Every single day, this is the only day that you have. You don't have tomorrow guaranteed. You don't, your, your life is not guaranteed to you. And it is essential that you address and approach each day with a real sense of sobriety, knowing that today is the only day that you have and you are responsible to bring your very best to the table every single day. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, what, what happens, you know, you're going through your day and you're dealing with the, the pain that you're expecting and something very, very terrible happens that's above and beyond what you're expecting. How do people become better at dealing with those really big adversity situations? That's a terrific question. One of my favorite authors is Viktor Frankl. Mm. He wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. And the book is very excellent because he wrote it about his experience in the concentration camps in World War II. Yeah. And so he was a Holocaust survivor. His wife was, uh, died in the, in the camps. And so anyway, the, the, the quote that I love from Victor is this, between stimulus and response, 
there is a space. In that space is my power to choose my response. In my response is my freedom and my growth. So that stimulus comes in every day. And let's say it's a tremendous level of pain, like you said, something that you weren't anticipating. The question you've got to ask yourself is how can I get in that space between the stimulus and the response so that I can rightly choose my response? My experience is this, and this is what I I encourage my clients to do. The first thing you can do and the best thing is to take a deep breath. And I mean that very seriously. (laughs) There's something very powerful about simply taking a deep breath. The second thing you can do is listen. Commit yourself to just keeping your mouth shut. Be slow to speak and begin to gather as much information that you can about the situation. So with that deep breath and that commitment to listening, the third thing you can do is then control your anger, okay? You don't need to assert control or power over the situation by being angry. That typically doesn't serve others or help the situation. So you must commit to controlling yourself. And then having taken that breath, having committed yourself to listening and controlling yourself, Then step into the situation and begin to ask questions. What happened? How did it happen? Who was involved? What do we need to do going forward? That's how you can deal with these high-pressure stress situations. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a great process. What sort of high-pressure stress situations have you gone through? Well, many. So I think one of the ones that that was just recently that we've all gone through is this COVID-19 situation. Okay. And this is something that has affected many businesses, obviously the construction industry in a tremendous way. And so overnight, you get into a situation where things out of your control are affecting your business and your life in a tremendous way. And so you have to be able to identify what you have complete control over and what you have no control over and focus in on what you have control over. So I've been practicing myself, grounding myself in the fact that despite the circumstances, the core of my business hasn't changed. I am here to get right up besides my construction clients and help them with their people, with their strategic planning, with their leadership, and with their sales, with winning work. And my focus is on helping them, whatever the circumstances, to achieve their goals and their plans. And so with that outward-looking perspective, it gets your eyes off of yourself and your own challenges and moves you into an outward-looking perspective where you're seeking to help others in their needs and in their situations. Mm, That makes a lot of sense. Now, you mentioned strategic planning. Yes. How does does one approach strategic planning? I know there's different, different thoughts that people have on that. Yeah, and, and we could talk about this for hours. <laughs> I do think that you first have to have a good definition of what strategic planning actually is. Sure. I could look on my bookshelf here and I got tons of books on strategic planning. But really what strategic planning is, is a plan for success. And if you're going to be successful in construction, you have to be building the right projects for the right clients in the right locations. Construction is a local game. Okay, so you have to have right clients, right locations, right project types. And so you as a construction company, if you're going to do any kind of strategic planning, you must clearly understand those three things. 
Once you've got that nailed down, you then have to think about how do we stand in the marketplace in view of executing those projects with those clients in those locations in terms of our competition, in terms of our strengths and weaknesses, and in terms of the opportunities and threats that the current market environment presents to us. So you have to be able to sit down through that and and think through that in a very clear way. Then you have to be able to project yourself into the future and not too far into the future. We're not in a world where five-year or 10-year plans work. Mm -hmm. You may be able to say, I have a 10-year goal, but you really need to think in terms of your strategic planning of one to three years. What do we need to do to be successful in the next one to three years? Where are we now? Where would we like to be? And what are the obstacles in our way to getting to where we want to be? Once you've identified the obstacles or the opportunities, then you need to think through specific initiatives for each one of those obstacles or opportunities for overcoming them or taking advantage of them. And you have to assign those initiatives to specific people in your organization so that you can hold them accountable for the execution of those initiatives. Yeah, what are the, what are the common initiatives that you see construction companies uh, driving to try to reach their, their future goal, their one to three? No, that's, that's excellent. A construction company has really three main areas that they have to execute well. Number one, they have to get work. Number two, they have to build work. And part of building work is obviously planning the work. And then number three, they have to get paid for it, okay? They have to get paid for it. So for instance, you can get the great projects and you can build great projects, but if your accounts receivable is out of control or you're underbilling all of the time, then you're not going to have the cash that you need to run your business successfully and you'll always be stretching your credit lines or you'll be developing bad relationships with the people that you owe money to, like your subcontractors. So when it comes to being successful, which is all that strategy is all about, you have to identify the areas in the get work, the build work, and in the get paid aspect of your business that you need to execute on and do better at. Mm. So you mentioned uh, charging, right, as part of getting paid. Now, is, there, is that something that construction companies typically learn through trial and error? Or there, are there sort of preset methodologies that, uh, you know, that help construction companies price projects properly? I think the pricing of the projects has a lot to do with, with the market that you're in. You have to understand the market dynamics. You have to understand what the market will bear in terms of your pricing. And you also have to understand what your overhead requirements are, what your profit expectations are, and put all of those things into the equation when you are pricing a project. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. So for getting projects, what are the common strategies or tactics that you see people doing? Okay, so to get projects, first you have to be able to nail right project, right location, right client. You have to have an understanding of that. And again, for your construction company, you may have multiple types of projects that you do or multiple clients. Now listen, what's key there though, is let's say you have right client, right location, but then your client comes to you and and they say, hey, listen, I'd like you to do this project. I know it's slightly outside of your core competency, but I like the work that we do together. And I think that you'll be able to execute that. Well, that's an example where if you can hit two of the three areas, project, client, location, then that's how you can begin to expand your business. But in terms of how to win that work, and this is something that construction companies often miss, when you're bidding a project, you have to understand that there's four types of people who influence whether or not you get awarded that project. 
And the first person is what I call the money person, the <laughs> one who has the gold, the one who makes the final decisions on who gets the project, the folks who can say yes when everyone else says no. The second person is what you would call the user influencer. So let's say I'm a general contractor and I'm bidding a project to a developer and the developer has hired a construction manager to run the project. And I don't get along well with that construction manager. Mm -hmm. How likely are they going to recommend me to the money person? It's gonna be unlikely. Or let's say I'm a subcontractor and I'm bidding to a GC, and the last time I did a project for the GC, my superintendent and my foreman sucked, and the uh, project manager of the GC is saying, dude, we are never doing work with that sub again. Or you might have a situation where you have a project manager who absolutely loves you, yeah. and they don't want to do work with anyone else. That's an example of the user influencer that you need to, you need to really understand if you're going to win work. The next person is the person who dots the I's and crosses the T's. They're the technical manager They're, or the technical user, the one that sends out the specifications that you need to be able to hit in order to even qualify for doing the project. They're the ones who say no. They're the gatekeepers. They can't say yes, but they can say no. And you have to understand who they are as well. And then the last person who is um, very important in this process is what's called the coach. The coach is the person who can tell you who those people are, who the money person is, who the user person is, and who the technical person is. And that coach can help you to position yourself with them to maximize your opportunity to win that project. Mm. So, so I guess one of the strategies is to, to figure out who the coaches are. Yeah, you've got to figure out your coach and you've got to figure out who each one of these people are that I mentioned. And you've got to ask yourself, what is my relationship with them? What is their perspective on my proposal? Do I even... See, this is the key. Now, now this, this, all that I'm sharing with you comes from a book called The New Strategic Selling. Mm. Okay, I'll show you the book. You got to get this book. It's by a guy named Robert Miller and Stephen Hyman. It's a great book, The New right. Strategic Selling, the, the concept that I just shared with you. So I want to make sure they get credit for that. But this is the key. I was talking to one of my clients just a while ago. They're bidding on an $80 million project. This is a yeah. big project for them. And I say, okay, how's that, how's that bid going? Oh, terrific, Eric. We've got a proposal together. We're going to go out there. We're going to kick some butt. I say, okay, do you know who the final decision maker is, the money person? They're like, uh, no. So they didn't even know who the final decision maker was. Now, they're going, to spend, they're going to spend months putting together this proposal. They're going to go out there and do their dog and pony show, and they don't even know who the final decision maker is. Yeah. That's unacceptable. If you don't know who the final decision maker is, and you haven't at least tried to contact them, and influence them to, to choose your project, then you're not doing your job in terms of business development. Mm. Okay, so you mentioned one of the other key aspects is to, to building the thing, making sure that goes right. What are the, what are the, the things that you have to uh, watch there? In terms of the building aspect? Sure, yeah. What, what are the, uh, the areas you see issues in? I mean, that's part of the deliverable, right? Okay, the, the one word, this is the word. All things being equal, again, in terms of, in terms of technical skill, the, the one thing that sets apart the top 20% of contractors from everybody else is their ability to communicate. Mm. Specifically, their willingness to have difficult conversations. Okay. And so if you're going to build a project successfully, you must be willing to address, identify and address issues on a consistent basis. You must be a firefighter 
or a fire preventer and not an arsonist. There's too many arsonists on construction projects and not enough firefighters and fire preventers. And the best construction companies are the fire preventers. They're the smoky bears. And the way they prevent the fires is by consistent communication. Okay. So when you say consistent emails, frequency, what are we talking about? Yep. Okay. So I, this is what I teach my clients. You have to have daily communication, those mm-hmm. daily check-ins. Now, if I'm a project manager, I got to check in with my, with my uh, superintendent and my foreman on a daily basis. If I'm a super, I got to check in with my guys, make sure they're, they're, they're ready to go, make sure they have all their needs. It can be a five to a 15-minute conversation. It could be a tailgate meeting if you're out in the field with your guys, right? Then you have weekly meetings. The weekly meeting is where you're looking at the projects that you're involved in and you're asking, how are we doing on schedule? How are we doing on budget? How are we doing on safety? How are we doing on quality? You're checking in on all those key metrics that are driving a successful project. And that's where you're looking forward to the next seven days and you're asking yourself, what do we need to do to have a successful seven-day period or a successful week? What do we need to address? What are the issues that we need to deal with? What are the uncertainties that we need to clarify. Then you should be having monthly meetings where the executives are getting together and they're looking at the the trends of the projects. What's going well? What's not going well? Which teams are executing? Which teams are struggling? Where might there be strategic issues that we need to deal with on an ongoing basis? And so it's that rhythm of meetings, that daily, weekly, monthly, even quarterly and annual meetings that the best contractors get into so they can not only execute the work on a day-to-day or a week-to-week basis, but then they can think strategically about their business and where they need to move it on a monthly and a quarterly and an annual basis. Mm. Makes a lot of sense. Now, what, for yourself personally, what, what does the future hold for you? That's a great question. There's, there's three areas that I work with with construction companies. Number one, I've, I tell you, man, I launched my own, own company in 2013. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just privileged to work with construction companies. I, I have this deep sense of privilege just being involved in this industry. So I'm, I am committed to the next 20 years working in the construction industry. And the three areas that I work in with my clients are number one, helping them with their leadership helping them develop leaders and understand what it means to be a great leader. Number two, developing their strategies, figuring out how they're going to be successful and then executing that. And then number three, helping them to think strategically about how to win more work, how to be, how to be a great salesperson so that they can win more work and drive the success of the business. Those are the three areas I'm focused in on. Yeah, makes sense. So uh, when you're not doing your uh, construction consulting business, what do you do? Do you have any hobbies? My wife and I, we have five kids yeah. and they range in age from five to 14. So I guess you could say that's, that's a hobby. I like to stay fit. I like to play the guitar. I like to read those kinds of things. Nothing too spectacular. I like to do my business, man. That's, that's a lot of my, the focus in my life other than, uh, you know, my kids and my family and, and some of the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a few uh, books already, but since you like to read, uh, what are some other really good ones? Uh, you know, if you're a business person or an entrepreneur, uh, that they should check out. I love the effective executive. Anything by Peter Drucker. One of the values of my business is I stand on the shoulders of giants. And if you want the giant of executive thinking, it's Peter Drucker. So the book I have up here on my shelf, The Effective Executive, I recommend it to every single person who I work with. Peter Drucker is the guy who everybody else is standing on on his shoulders. And so mm-hmm. Drucker's great. 
I like, I like to read a lot of history books because I think you can learn a lot from studying history. I like to read a lot of philosophy. I read the Bible myself. I love reading that. I get a lot of wisdom from that. So there's a variety of different things that I work on. But in terms of business is concerned, anything by Peter Drucker, I highly, highly recommend it. Awesome. You mentioned history. What, what stands out is something that's extremely interesting from the, from, that we can learn from uh, history. One of my favorite, one of my favorite historical figures is Winston Churchill. Okay. Um, a recent biography of Churchill by a guy named Andrew Roberts is excellent because Churchill tends to be either demonized or deified. And you can tell that Roberts really respects him, but he does neither of those. And I think the one thing I love about Churchill is that he made a lot of mistakes in his life. He had a lot of ups and downs, but he had a clear understanding of what he wanted to do with his life. He had a clear commitment to a cause, which was really the furtherance of the British Empire. And whether you agree with that or not, he had a clear understanding of that. And despite the ups and the downs and the difficulties of, difficulties of his life, he, he committed to that. And in the end, he was able to make a tremendous contribution, obviously, to the United Kingdom and to the world during World War II. So the great takeaway that I have from that is that life is long. Life has ups and downs. Sometimes you fail, sometimes you succeed, but whatever happens, you should never give up. <laughs> That's a very strong message. Is there anything I didn't ask you, but should have? Sure. I, I, the, the one thing that I would like to encourage people in terms of maintaining their sanity, this is, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV, but there's, <laughs> there's three things that I, I do my best to practice that I, I would really encourage executives to practice. And it is around your sleep, around your exercise, and around your intake of food. And so let me just give you those three things. Sure. When it comes to sleep, the word that you need to remember is sufficiency. Now, whether you need six hours or eight hours, whatever the case is, get enough sleep. And if you don't get enough sleep and you need to take a nap during the day, take it. Take a 15 to 20 minute nap. So remember that word sufficiency. When it comes to exercise, you know, I'm 50 now. I, I try my best to stay in shape. I'm never going to be as awesome or as buff as I want to be. But the key, <laughs> the, key, the key to exercise is consistency. Okay, Get into habits of, of consistency and do what works for you, whether it's working out alone, whether it's working out at a gym, whether it's working out in a group. Do what works for you, but be consistent. And then the last thing in terms of food is simply moderation. And I think this is very important. Be moderate in what you eat and particularly in what you drink. Alcohol does not solve your problem, okay? It may, it may blind you from your problems for a short period of time, but alcohol and drugs are not going to solve your problems. That doesn't mean that, you know, a glass of wine or something like that isn't pleasurable, but don't substitute alcohol for doing the hard work of solving your own problems. So be moderate in what you eat and drink. So consistency, sufficiency, moderation in terms of exercise, sleep, and food. Those are three keys that I would encourage people to consider. Well, thanks, Eric. That makes sense to me. Awesome. I want to thank everyone for listening to Specify today. also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. If you know anyone anyone that would benefit from this episode, please pass it along. And finally, make sure you subscribe to hear upcoming episodes. Talk to you soon.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.